Well, Cody, it is uh, it's uh, it's that time of year. Goodness gracious, uh, high school playoffs, football wise, and I mean volleyball wise, we have East Rockingham in its first ever state tournament. Uh, there, they moved on to the class two uh, volleyball tournament, and, and good for the Eagles. And uh, what I think a lot of people thought was a lost season, or uh, not a lost season, a season that might not have been this successful when Michaela Jones went down in the preseason with a torn ACL. Yeah, I mean, I think when that happened, um, you know, you're talking about probably our best player in the area. I mean, I mean, when any team of, of all 21 schools that we include in the power rankings, a lot of stuff, I think she's the best player. Um, and all of a sudden she goes down, you're thinking, you know, this team has nine seniors, so you have eight left. Um, you, you've got an experienced group, but you didn't think they'd have – a run like this in them, um, and and what really, I mean, what showed in the tournament was that the bull run was a, a lot more competitive um, than we realized throughout the year because, you know, both semifinal matches yesterday were, were bull run teams uh, or a pair of bull run teams against each other, um, and now it's for the fourth time this year it's Madison versus East Rock um, in the regional championship, and then, you know, win or lose they face either Pocosin or King William um, on Saturday in the uh, in the state tournament, so. Um, yeah, I mean, good for them. First time in history. It was it was really cool to see just the the seniors and just their their excitement over that because it's something that that group probably didn't. And, and their coach said that she didn't really think that they had it in them four years ago. And to kind of watch them grow up as she came in when they were all freshmen and has watched them kind of grow up over the years. And now um, headed to the state tournament for the first time in program history. So pretty cool. And I guess the other big news. Well, I'm not guessing. I mean, this is kind of the big news. Uh, uh, on the heel, or not even on the heels, ahead of Harrisonburg's uh, Region 5D Virginia High School League football playoff opener, they host uh, William, William Fleming. Fleming on Friday. Uh, according to the uh, Harrisburg High School administration, uh, nine-year coach Chris Thurman will not be on the sidelines. Uh, it's a personnel matter, is and they do not comment on personnel matters, but he is no longer the coach. We can confirm, or you can confirm, thanks to your, your, your breaking news this morning at about 8.30 a.m., and, and, you're, and thank, thank goodness we were both awake at that point, uh, that... Well, it's going to be uh, it, Chris's Chris's time at Harrisburg High School is over and done after nine seasons. Yeah, unclear exactly what the details are there, but you know, um, a, a tough situation for those players. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Number to one, take away. Yes. yeah. I mean, um, Josh Carico is a guy that's been familiar with the program. He's been there for seven years, so he's been there for a lot of the time that um Thurman was there Thurman's and, been there nine and Josh is was named as the interim coach uh for the rest of the season correct or, or correct the rest the rest of the season okay. as long as they're in the postseason he'll be the the interim coach um and then from there you know it's unclear you know if, if a search happens maybe he keeps the job you know who know it's they haven't commented yeah. on that yet so um but yeah I mean you've got to think that's tough I mean it's tough this time of year is tough for any team playoff time um, but to lose your head coach I don't know that I've ever seen a situation like that where you lose your coach the week of your first playoff game um, and that Harrisburg team was kind of reeling anyways coming off back to back losses um, a blowout to Spotswood to end the year um, they didn't look particularly great against Rockbridge so um, definitely a tough place to be for the, that team and um, they've got a William Fleming team that hung 52 on them in the, in the first week of the season coming to town so um, you know, not not an ideal situation. No, and, and and I mean, it just and I get the whole administration standpoint, having been doing this for for twenty some odd years, and, and you don't comment on personal matters. I get it, I understand it, but and I'm not going to argue 
against that at all, but I always feel like when you when, when anybody when you, you you don't comment on personnel matters, and I guess legally you can't. It it, it just it, it all it will never not sit right with me because I think that leads to speculation, and speculation never leads to good things. But that's all I'm going to say about that because it's never going to change, and I understand the legality of it. Uh, but that Harrisburg team is welcoming in. Uh, they're number four seed. They're welcoming in number five seed William Fleming. Which I surprisingly, mean, only you know, as good as William Fleming is, they only have three wins this year because of how because of the type of competition they face up there. <laughs> is, now, is that a situation where you know maybe they don't come in as, and taking the, the Thurman situation off uh, out, completely out of the uh, out of the conversation? Is that a situation like one of those Nova schools where they kind of come in as the the lower seed, but maybe not necessarily the underdog? Yeah, I think so. I think that I mean you have to base off you know, and, and I'll say this, you know. It's easy to point back to that first week, and I've and obviously that's the reference point a lot of people are going to use when talking about this matchup because of the way that they kind of handled that Harrisburg team and opened up a lot of our eyes early on that told us maybe this Harrisburg team is going to be going through a rebuild. Um, but this is a different Blue Streak squad than we saw that first week as well. Like we, we've talked about you know all season long, they moved Quentin Smiley to, to the running back position. They moved Keenan Glago to quarterback. Their defense has played better. The receivers have improved. Um, so this is a much better team in itself as well. Um, but that Fleming team, like I said, they, they face some some really good schools down there. And, and, you know, I think despite just having three wins, I think if you put them in the Valley District, I think they're a five, six, seven win team. Um, I think this is going to be a, a, a good test for them and, a um, you know, a, a really good game between two teams that I think have probably both improved since they met in week one. Okay, so I, and that was a pretty big William Fleming win, wasn't it? Yeah, fifty-two to ten. Yeah, that was okay. That was, it was pretty... when they scored. Harrisburg scored the first two, ten points. That's right. And then fifty, and then fifty-two unanswered by William Fleming. Yeah. So I mean, that's uh, you, you. Yeah. I mean, has Harrisburg improved enough? And that—that's the biggest question. Is you know we don't get to see Fleming enough. So I don't know if maybe. They kind of went back a little bit throughout the season. It's hard to tell, um, but I do think that Harrisburg has improved. Now, if they've improved 42 points, that's a lot. I mean, yeah. you know, clearly I think the defense has gotten better. Um, the defense was really young at the beginning of the year, their secondary especially. They've improved slowly throughout the year. Um, but, again, this Harrisburg team has been a little bit hard to figure out because as soon as they take a couple steps forward and they look they looked like a district contender at times, um, then they took a few steps back. Um, the Rockbridge game was close, but they didn't look particularly great there. They weren't very – they were pretty careless with the football. The defense wasn't really ever able to stop the Rockbridge run game. And then a week later, obviously, we know what Ethan Barnhart did, racking up almost 370 yards on the ground by himself. Um, the spots would ran for over 500 as a team. I mean, that's that's not going to win you any football games in the playoffs, giving up that many rushing yards. This is the time of year where that stuff really comes into play, the, the run game, the defense, all of that. Um, so those are two areas that Harrisburg is going to have to shore up this week. Um, and, and they've got to do it without their head coach. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, you added that dynamic that uh, of, a, of an interim coach, and, and that really throws a, a, a lot of kinks in the armor. Uh, moving on, uh, another uh, rematch on the, the, the Region 2B side, and that is uh, East Rockingham going up to face Clark County. It was it wasn't close when they first met when they met during the regular season. Is there what gives you an indication, Cody? It could be closer this time, or is there any indication given? Well, and uh, you, you know you can say this about pretty much any team saying they're not the same team they were early in the season, but this I think applies most to this East Rockingham squad. Um, they've won five out of six, four in a row. Um, I mean 
they blew out Larray, who was the co-district champions with Clark County. Um, you know, beat Page County. They've got some really impressive wins on their resume now. The way Trenton Morris and Colton Dean are running the ball has been really impressive. Um, you know, I know Tyson McNair hasn't, you know, lit it up necessarily in the passing game, but he does enough with his feet and his arm that when when the run game gets going, I think he's got enough dynamic to provide it, provide some intrigue there in the passing game, and the defense has slowly gotten better. Um, and and the second thing is they're just playing with confidence. They're a team that, you know, Donnie told me today that they just kind of approach things differently now, that getting a couple wins maybe made them realize what they're capable of, and they've taken their day-to-day approach much more seriously. They show up to practices and take things much more seriously, and it's, the results on the scoreboard have shown that. Um, and I think the other biggest thing that it, it kind of goes unnoticed is in that first game against East Rock, Peyton Rutherford for Clark County had about 270 yards rushing um, and a couple TDs. He was really the big difference in that game and really just dominated East Rock, and he's not going to be playing tomorrow night. He's he's missed the past four games, and he'll be out again tomorrow night with a leg injury. Um, so that's something, I mean, you know, it's only one player, and, and, and Clark certainly has guys that they can plug in. They're, they're very good at that, plugging guys in and, and still producing in that rushing attack, but... Peyton Rutherford's, you know, a one one in a kind type kid and a, a one in a kind type athlete, and and not having him on the field is enough, I think, that gives Eastrock a chance here. And they're a team that, despite being the sixth seed, I think if they can win this one, they've got a chance to make some serious noise this postseason. They probably got to be uh, looking across the board. They got to be one of the best six seeds in, in the whole VHSL tournament. Yeah, and I think this entire region is really intriguing because when you look at every matchup, you know, even that one hate with Buffalo Gap sort draft, we know Gap played draft really well. Um, you know, you, we don't know a ton about Buckingham County but they're playing a good Page County team and then 4-5 you got the rematch from last week with Strasburg Larry so that whole region and that's the region I've been calling kind of the region of chaos because that's where I feel like you could really see things get weird across the table and see some lower seeds win some games. You better trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would trademark that immediately. Uh, region of chaos. Goodness gracious that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what is it in the World Cup? They call them the group of death. Now we have the region of chaos. <laughs> yeah, now I say that, and then one through four will win this week. <laughs> <laughs> the class of broken dreams would be class two. How about that? Uh, let's move on to the class three, the, the class of broken. We'll call that the class of broken dreams. Uh, Turner Ashby um, going down to LCA. Is it Liberty Christian or Lynchburg Christian? Liberty uh, Christian. Liberty Christian, uh, a private Virginia high school league, a private school in the VHSL. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I suspect LCA is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they, um, they came down to Stanton earlier this year at the beginning of the season and, and whitewashed and, yeah, Stanton, beat, beat them, they? beat them pretty good. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously that's not to you, you can't compare always mutual opponents. TA obviously did lose to Stanton in that one game. Um, didn't play like themselves but, in overtime though. Right, I mean, right. I mean, and that was a game that TA. It was a game TA threw away. I mean, you had to. That was you know, looking that, back on the season. That loss doesn't really make a whole lot of sense no, now. If that game's played in week eight, I think it's just. A, I think it's a TA record. That was. I think that was a case where TA got caught up in a little bit of the hype early. They were three and zero. They hadn't been in that situation, and you know, weird things happen. Um, but looking at this game, I mean, this is going to be tough. I think the biggest thing is, I think TA is, has shown is you know even in the last week in that loss to Rockbridge. Um, I thought they showed that they can that they're ready and kind of built for the postseason a little bit in terms of they played a full game against a good Rockbridge County team that's now sitting at number three in the region and looks like a team that we thought maybe they were earlier in the season. They look a lot better, and I think TA, 
you know, they're a little bit more equipped now to, to deal with this playoff run than I thought they were a few weeks ago. I thought they got a little carried away there for a while and kind of got away from who they were with the losses to Harrisonburg and, and Rockbridge and some of those other teams. Um, I think they're maybe a little bit better now. Um, I think Grant Swinehart's back on track in the run game, and that's obviously the key to their offense going. And then the defense is, is, is good enough to keep them in any game, really. Um, they're going to face some tremendous athletes this week. Um, but Chris Fraser's always told me that it doesn't matter who they face. They try and just do what they do. And they've got guys like Jesse Knight and, you know, Dylan Eppard and some of those guys on the defense, Jack Rhodes and all those other guys. Um, and they, they wreck havoc. They don't care. They're careless. Jesse Knight said that a lot of those sophomores are, are too dumb to understand. And, and they just they just go out there and play. And I think that, you know, if their defense plays well enough and Grant can get going in a run game, I think they've got a chance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be a tall task for them. It may not be the region of havoc, but that could be the game of havoc is what you're saying. Absolutely. And it's going to be – you know, TA, the last time they played on a turf field was, you know, at JMU, and they put up 75. I'm not saying they're going to put up 75 against LCA, but um, they, they seem to enjoy that. And, and, you know, Grant got going there on that turf field, and this week they'll get to play on another one at Liberty at Liberty University. Now, I saw where uh, this uh, Grant Swinehart is now the program's all-time leading rusher. Yeah, it's, it's kind of been bizarre. I was thinking about that yesterday. You know, this is a year we were kind of talking about at the beginning of the season, the loss of a bunch of marquee names and guys like Jay Juan Evans from East Rock and, and Marcus Robinson and Jenkins from Harrisonburg and, and now you all of a sudden look and we've got two two guys who are now arguably two of the program's all-time greats uh in Grant Swinehart at TA and Ethan Barnhart at Spotswood both of them setting single season program records um I mean it's been it's been an incredible year for those two for sure it's the, the, been the year of the running back to go with the uh region of chaos and the region of havoc uh let's stay in the region of havoc uh 3C and let's go over to Spotswood uh uh who the heck does Spotswood play? Why, do I, why is this dry? Am I drawing a blank here? <laughs> Flavana County. County. All right. Spotswood playing play the Flying Flucos. Spotswood going in as the number two seed. Uh, how do you see this one coming out? I know Fluvanna hasn't had the best season. Yeah, I think they came in with a little higher expectations. Um, they've got a good quarterback. Uh, they run a, kind of a, a single T or a wing T type of uh, offense. Um, they like to run the ball a lot. They don't throw much. Their quarterback only has like two or three touchdown passes on the year. Um the biggest thing, I, I mean, you know, Fluvanna played Broadway in that first week, and Broadway actually played them pretty close. It was 29-13. to 13. Um, They managed to get into the playoffs. This should be – this is a game Spotswood goes into as a favorite. I think the biggest thing here is just, you know, how Spotswood handles seeing somebody new. They've they've kind of just taken care of business against their usual teams all year, against the, the non-district teams and then their, their Valley District opponents. Um, but, you know, it's like Dale Shifflett said today, you know, once you get into the playoffs, what you've done doesn't really matter. And, um, you know, the playoffs have kind of haunted the, the Spotswood in recent years. They, they've never made it past the second round. Um, last year they lost in the first round as the number two seed in this exact same game. Um, obviously, uh, that Liberty Bedford team they played a year ago was significantly better than this different Louisiana animal, team. Different yeah. animal. Um, but still, that's something that has motivated these guys all year. They've referenced that even throughout the regular season. And um, I kind of ex- I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out and kind of make a statement on Friday night. Um, and you know kind of show they're here and they're here to stay here for a couple weeks like dropping 38 in the first quarter that's and then, that's the th- and they're capable of that yeah <laughs> and, and then sitting the guys you know the rest of the way and giving them nice and fresh for round two cody our lone uh football team without a uh, postseason bid is uh, broadway uh let's kind of put the cap on that season let's uh, not so much write their obituary because i don't think it's you know the obituary of the season, you know, where, what did you see from the Gobblers under first year coach Danny Grog that if I go to the Gobbler Grill tomorrow wearing my 
my Broadway shirt, let's say I have one, uh, and uh, I want to talk to someone about the hope and dreams of Broadway High School football program, what convinced me that, you know, why is the future bright? Well, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is they've got, you know, next year when we're talking about the the top returning players in in DNR football, we're going to be talking about Nate Tunnell um, on both sides of the ball. I I mean, he he has – Improved his game tremendously from last year, and not just you know. I think last year he was a tall length receiver. Um, this year he became an all around receiver. He w- he could do it in the short game with his route running. He could he could go deep, obviously, and still had the athleticism to go over top of guys. Um, unfortunately, I don't think his stats offensively reflect how good he was because of the Broadway quarterback situation and going through four different guys there. I don't think he ever could get in a rhythm quite as well. He still earned second team all district honors. Um, and then defensively, even at linebacker, I thought he was one of the best linebackers in the area. He didn't earn all district honors there, surprisingly, but I thought he was really one of the top linebackers in the Valley. Um, I mean, just an, just one of the best athletes in the area in all sports, and I think he's going to be one of the top players next year. And that, that right there gives them enough reason for hope. And then you add in what Landon Stuhlmiller did in that last game, 350, 360 total yards um, from the quarterback spot. That was a, a switch that they made late in the year. He was used to be a receiver. Um, you put those two things together, I think that's got to give them some hope, not to mention they've got so many other young guys on both the offensive line, the defensive line, um, throughout, really throughout the entire roster. I mean, you're only losing you know, Brent Hulse. Um, Caleb Williams didn't even end up playing this year. Um, there's not a lot of names that you're losing off that roster, so – I mean, just the fact that they're so young, um, they kept fighting. You didn't, you didn't see, and, and and talking to Danny, they didn't have many players quit or you know, f- you know, give up on the season. So, um, I, I mean, I think they've got reason for optimism. I mean, you look at the Valley next year. You know, Spotswood loses pretty much everybody. TA loses uh, all their big guns. You know, they still got there's some strong sophomores, but they lose a lot of their big guns with CJ Haskins, Grant Swanhart, Jesse Knight gone. Um, you know, Harrisburg loses some key pieces and. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that you know, Broadway's got to have at least a little bit of reason for hope. I'm looking forward to watching the the, the offensive and de- defensive line girl on that team because that was a similar situation we were, and I th- and we talked about this before on both the pod and the webcast is, you know, I think it was two or three years ago. It was such a young offensive line, and and you just watching it grow, and you saw the record of that team kind of rise as that offensive line and defensive line grew. And they lost all those guys coming into this year. And I think that's what I'm kind of looking forward to the most is getting, you know, watching the size of those guys get bigger and watching those holes open a little better and watching their quarterback, which I, we can assume is going to be Stu Miller. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, after I don't know how you can't go with Stu Miller after um, what the, he did late the in last, the season. Yeah, I mean, even against Spotswood and some of those teams, you know, he struggled a little bit at times with turnovers um, in terms of interception, you know, touchdown interception ratio, but – you know, that last game against Waynesboro, he kind of showed off his athleticism, which was something that they didn't really have before. And I thought that was something that they wanted to do with Caleb Williams early was get him out, you know, kind of with the bootleg and do different things um, with using his athleticism and his, and his legs. And they were able to do that with him. And I think that's something that, you know, offense coordinator and Reed wants to use more um, in that offense. And Stuhlmiller probably right now gives them the best chance to do so. And I'm looking forward to him behind a more well-seasoned offensive line to get a little more time. I mean, that's where, it's, where it all starts yeah. for them. They, they never could get the run game going. Um, and when the run game doesn't get going, the passing game isn't going to get going. And, no. and that's where it all started for them. Um, so another year of the all-season in the weight room, I think they're improved. And I agree with you. I think if that, it, like you said, if the offensive and defensive line – you know, even takes just a, a small step forward, we're going to see some kind of progress out of that. I team. think we'll see at least three or four wins if that, that line takes a f- small step forward. And then not, and you know, I'm not necessarily putting all the pressure on Broadway. When I'm thinking there is with Spotswood losing 
everybody uh, with, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it did with T.A. losing a lot. I think it kind of opens things up for Broadway to maybe to get a couple more wins. And, and who knows, they might be, and like we talked about early in the season, you know, they might be the T.A. this year, next year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we were talking about, you know, this year, we, we thought if T.A. got four wins this year, we were like, oh, that'll, that'll be a success for them to take a step forward, and who knew they ended up getting to six wins, and now they're playing in the playoffs, so, um, you know, you never know what, what's going to happen with, with high school sports, and um, I, I think they've got the talent level there to take a step forward, and like I said, I think they've got, you know, one of the best players in there, Ian Nate Sennell, and then they've got another one right there with Lynn Stuhlmiller that I think's going to be a, a fun one to watch next year, he's only a sophomore, so... Region of chaos, region of havoc. This, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. This is why, <laughs> folks, we love high school sports, and that's why we love talking about it on the Rocktown Sports Pod, uh, Rockingham County's only all local sports podcast. Cody, we will do this again next week, and we'll be talking about the winners. We'll be wrapping up some other seasons. Now I'm going to bring in some Shane Metlin, who's going to talk Bridgewater College football, believe it or not. Well, that was Cody talking high school p- football playoffs. Playoffs, yes, it's we're, it's playoff time. Uh, now it's time. To, speaking of playoffs, so, uh, football playoffs, come to the college football playoffs, it's that time. Let's bring in Shane Metlin. Uh, you know him as the, uh, the, 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 the star of the Convo, the JMU Men's and Women's Basketball Podcast, and he's also the beat writer for those two programs. But, yes, Shane has himself a football beat, and that's Bridgewater College, and that's a Bridgewater College Eagles team going to the ODAC, or excuse me, going to the Division Three. Uh, playoffs for the first time since 2005 off their first ODAC championship in quite a long time yeah and it was a uh, quite a scene Saturday they had to hang on I mean yeah, they had to hang did. on yeah and you know I think as they got into the season and it was clear they were beating a lot of ODAC teams fairly handily we knew we were getting to this game we knew Randolph Macon wasn't going to get run off the field you know <clears throat> even if it was just simply a style thing where they were going to control the ball long enough that you couldn't you know score a ton of points on them the game ended up playing out about how you might expect and um you know a huge huge win for Bridgewater they've been waiting a long time for this they've had some close calls in the time period between 2005 and now they've had good seasons that haven't wound up in championship seasons and now they are breaking records and doing things that uh mike clark has waited a while to do yes yeah. <laughs> i mean you gotta you, you and you talked about you knew this was coming and 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 from the outside looking in on my part i kind of was waiting for this game for 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 this reason is that you know while their offense been running people off the field uh all, all for the through the first nine games of this or eight games of the season you know their defense was playing very well obviously yeah. but i think i was waiting for that one game where the defense would have to make the stops to win it mm-hmm. because when your your offense is scoring 38 points and you're up 38 to 3 at half i mean yeah some of that's on your defense but i mean your offense put up 38 points and i think this is kind of what i was waiting for was for the defense in in a, in a late game scenario to kind of come up with the big stop here and there uh well i mean talk a little about that defense yeah and that defense has gotten it was you came into the season thinking oh Bridgewater's loaded on defense and they've been good all year but they've gotten better week to week in the past month <laughs> that's scary yeah because you know <clears throat> we'll step back and look at this stretch where they played the other top there were clearly four top teams in the ODAC and they played them in a three-game stretch and 
they go, what was what was the top generating offense in Washington and Lee? They go and completely shut them down for their you know worst performance of the season under 200 yards. Turn around. Now Emory and Henry has passed Washington Lee as the top offense because of what Bridgewater did to them, and they hold Emory and Henry at under 200 yards. You know, <clears throat> then they face the all-time leading rusher in the ODAC who had just torn up Bridgewater the past two years. We're talking, you know, close to 500 yards on the ground and seven touchdowns in two games the last two years. And he had, you know, a nice game, 100 and I think 13 yards and a touchdown. But they kept him from winning that game on his own. And they didn't get a ton of offense, you know, from other spots. And like you said, they came up with some big, big stops early in the game they get a key fourth down stop they've got some you know they just got randolph macon off the field in a timely fashion early in the game and that allowed them to get a 21 point lead that they were able to hang on to i mean <clears throat> uh randolph macon switched to burke estes who had been their longtime starting quarterback and had lost a job uh after some close calls with you know some of these odak teams and it went back to him in the second half and he 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 played a great game. He, he stepped into that situation, rose to the challenge, got them back in the game. But against that Bridgewater defense, he, you know, he faced too much pressure. Those two linebackers, <clears throat> Rayshon Myers, uh, was just, you know, named to the national team of the week and was ODAC defensive player of the week. Again. And, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's probably, it's not undeserved, but, you know, I uh, you know joked around with Gary Ramey, who's playing opposite him on the linebacker crew. I was like, yeah, man, I think, you know, Rayshon had one of the best defensive games I've seen in a long time, if not for the fact that I think you played slightly better today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you really could have given Gary Ramey all those awards. Their stats were almost identical, and, like, he was all over the field and coming up with uh, – he was coming up with huge tackles at huge times all, all day. Uh, their opponent this weekend is uh, is not very good, Guilford. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so, you know, while while Grant and I'm sure Michael Clark and the Eagles aren't looking ahead, how about you? You and I don't play, so you and I can look ahead uh, to the NCAA Division Three postseason. They're in line if they win out to host a game is a po- very good possibility. Yeah, um, that's the way we can look at Guilford and look ahead both because – they're tied in. If they win uh, Saturday against Guilford, which they should, they uh, almost certainly will host. It, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's one hundred percent a a done deal, but I I am not found the scenario yet where they wouldn't host if they beat Guilford. So <clears throat> that actually works out pretty well for you know Michael Clark and the staff. If you know. Had, There's your motivation. Yeah, you yeah. have something to play for now. Is you, you go into this game, and you know more than likely it's a game where your starters can come out very motivated to secure that home field, and maybe secure that home field for more than one round, and then you know the likely scenario is it's a blow at a halftime. They get to take the second half off and get ready for those playoff games that are coming up 
pretty quickly. General mood out there. I mean, you talked to the, the Michael Clark after the game. I mean, he's a pretty level-headed, <clears throat> even-keeled guy, but, I mean, he just sounded very, very excited and very, very happy for his team. Oh, yeah, he was. And, you know, one of the, one of the underrated uh, traditions in college sports, I think, is going go to do that victory bell. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. <clears throat> and, you know, his – his speech to the entire crowd, all those, you know, family and alumni and everyone hanging around outside that building, that was a man who was just genuinely happy to be in the situation he was in. And, you know, he, he's still coaching his team when they get out there, you know, saying, you know, be smart tonight when you're celebrating. <laughs> and everything. And, and, but it was just a man who was so happy. And I think we'll agree. And, you know, Talking to uh, JMU basketball coach yesterday, Lewis Rowe, everybody who's met, he's met him once, but everybody who's met Michael Clark is happy for him to be back in the situation because, you know, <clears throat> we say we're not rooting for people and, you know, we approach this objectively, but you can be happy for the good people that you come across. And, yeah, like, and, and and I think what always just what always impressed me about, about Michael Clark was just the his ability to get it. You know, he gets and understands where he's at, that he's at a Division three football program, and he genu- genuinely enjoys it. And, you know, he gets what comes with that is, you know, hey, I'm the head football coach. That doesn't mean I'm also not the equipment manager on a Division three level. That also doesn't mean I'm not the guy who's got to go line the field back in the day. You know, we had to line the fields. And uh, just the, the genuineness that he approaches the game is just – he's. I mean, really, if you, if you, if you can – if you can build a Division three coach out of a bunch of different parts of uh, uh, coaches around the country, I think you would come up with almost like a Michael Clark clone. Just a, you know, an aw shucks, gee whiz, football mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, just a well-rounded person. Like, I know you guys talk about books and yeah, things yeah. like that. And, you know, we chat about <clears throat> kids and things like that when we talk. And it's just, you know... A well-rounded person, a very pleasant person who doesn't take his bad days out on you, which is, you know, <laughs> unusual in, in, in our business and his business. <laughs> that's rare like, <laughs> to come across somebody like that. And it's, you know, it's <clears throat> like you said, I think, you know, people in that Bridgewater community, you know, there's a reason he was welcome to stick around for as long as he's been. And it's, uh, you know, everybody's happy to see him get back to this point because – like like I mentioned before, there's been some close calls. They've had those eight and two teams. Yeah. They've had that team last year where, you know, if not for a two point conversion and double overtime, they would have been the tiebreaker champions and snuck into the playoffs last year. And they've had so many close calls to uh, get back into there. Where, you know, talking about the largest division in college football, like it's it's not easy to get into those playoffs. No. And, no, like, just like it's not easy to get ranked in those polls, in yeah, those Division three polls. He's it's done not. it what seven times now in a in a long career, and it's it's, it's quite an accomplishment. Twenty five years, kind of poetic that the uh, the current longest tenured football coach collegially in the state of Virginia, uh, and the win- current active winningest coach in the mm-hmm. state of Virginia in his twenty fifth year uh, finally returns uh, back to the postseason. Uh, well, uh, Shane, uh, thanks for joining us. Talk a little about Bridgewater football. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. And if you're looking to t- hear some JMU men's and women's talk, yeah, you got to go over to the Convo. That's uh, Shane's latest podcast. He's on episode two. We'll make sure you put the link. We'll probably be right below this over on SoundCloud, and uh, and it should be showing up on iTunes as well. So uh, make sure you subscribe so you get in on that action. Thanks, Shane. All right, thanks.